I think uh, you picked a great week. Um, I, I'm really excited about today's topic. My name is Hector, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And um, if, you, if you haven't met me before, uh, I promise I'm over the age of 18. I make that joke every single time. But if you're new, you haven't heard it. And so I did it for the friend that you brought today, okay? Uh, hey, I, I'm excited. We're, we're in this series called Awestruck, and Pastor Brad uh, has been doing an amazing job bringing us into the Christmas season and uh, talking about this idea of awestruck. And um, before we even jump into anything, I just kind of want to reiterate some of the things he's already talked about. Why are we talking about awestruck? Why is that the topic of conversation? Well, because uh, in and of itself, the word awestruck actually has a few ways that we could understand it. For the Christmas season, it would be first this, a heartfelt wonder. This is something that we experience during this Christmas season. And we could put uh, in center view is this idea of just filling our hearts with a joy that, that the story of the birth of Jesus can give us. The second one is this, a divine clarity. All right, a divine clarity. This in the Christmas season is a time that we can think about who God really is, who Jesus really is. He gets to be at the center point of culture for an entire month and we get to celebrate this amazing time when the savior of the world came into the world. And the last one is this, a heavenly splendor. A heavenly splendor. We're really gonna dial in on this one today but it's this idea of realizing just how close God is to us. Truly how close he is. Sometimes he, not, he may not feel super close. And I think during this time, we get to just lean in to understanding more and more of what God is always doing. And so today we're gonna be talking about uh, something that maybe we all experience in life is this idea of Christmas disappointments. Christmas disappointments. And in order to, to jump into this, we're going to look at a portion of ancient scripture. We're going to look at, at a little bit of a side story that's going on in ancient scripture. And um, this is a story. So if, you, if you've ever known anything about the Bible, the first four books of, of the New Testament are what we call the Gospels. This is the story of Jesus. This man that's writing right now, he's writing the story of Jesus. But then there's this side story he starts going off on for just a second, and we're going to catch up in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's a really cool Bible app you can download on your phone. Um, I would encourage you, do that, all right? It's, it's the Bible in your pocket, but like, to be completely honest, it could be on the screen. So super easy. Just look at the screens. That'll be right there. All right. So, uh, so we're going to read this, right? It says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of, of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, which just so you know, would be an army of angels. So an army of angels comes up, appears with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, and on, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see 
this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is kind of a popular passage of, of scripture. And if you haven't heard it before, I'm telling you, go watch a Charlie Brown Christmas and Linus will recite it for you and do a better job than I did today. Cause you almost get like a little tear in your eye when he, when he reads it. Um, but it's so popular. And I think we've all probably heard some part of this story of the shepherds. I want to see it differently today. And I think uh, it could be an encourage, uh, encouragement to us in our time of disappointment. So you, will you pray with me? And we're going to jump into this scripture. God, thank you for being in this room. Thank you for being the reason for Christmas, the reason why we're here. And Lord, I just ask that in this moment, when, when we're talking about you, when we're looking at your scripture, that the focal point be you, that all signs point to you. And Lord, I just thank you for how much you're already transforming our lives. I ask you to do it again. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so um, I don't know if, first of all, can I, can I just say this? This is something cool. Um, did anybody get the little cups with the Christmas thing on them. Aren't they so cool? Can we give it up for our hospitality team out, out, out there? They set up every single week. They do an amazing job. I saw that and I was like, that is such a nice touch. I love Christmas season. Um, I, I love Christmas gifts. Anybody else like Christmas gifts? Yeah, right? They're the best. Um, have you ever received a gift you didn't like? Yeah? Okay, cool. Me too. Me too. Uh, so a few years ago, me and Bria, uh, we were dating at the time and we were invited uh, to this white elephant gift exchange. Okay. And if you don't know much about a white elephant gift exchange, don't do it. It's a bad idea. Trust me. Somebody's going to get mad by the end. Uh, so I remember getting ready for this gift exchange. Uh, we were going to her friend's house. I'm trying to impress her friends. We're still kind of in that dating process. And so, uh, so then I'm, I'm trying to find something that would be so worth bringing to the Christmas exchange that somebody would be so excited to get. And, uh, it, you know, there was a, a, a limit, but I just kind of went a little bit above the limit because, you know, you got to impress the friends. And, um, and I got a little JBL speaker, okay? Mini one, but I got a JBL speaker. And I was like, I'm going to bring this, wrapped it up, brought it to, to the gift exchange. And, uh, and I remember going to this gift exchange and the first person that, that opens up the gift gets my JBL gift exchange or uh, my JBL speaker. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're probably so excited. They were so excited. I, I crushed it. Okay. I did a great job. And, and I was like, I saw their face. They were like, yes. And I was like, cool. I've impressed everybody. And I, you know, now I'm excited. What am I going to get? Yeah, so then I pick one. And so if you don't know how a white elephant gift exchanges work, let me just kind of give you, I don't know who came up with it. It was somebody who was mad at their gift. Um, that's what happened. But basically what happens is you, you open up a gift and when you open it up, you, you keep it. And it, the next person now can either steal your gift or they could open up a new gift. Okay, but if you already open up the gift and if you're the second person, it's a little tough. And I'm not going to go steal my own JBL speaker. I'm, I'm not, I don't know if you've watched The Office, but I'm not Michael Scott. And so, so I was like, I'm just going to let them do their thing. So I, I grab a new gift. I open it up and it's this dice game. And if you like this game, it's fine. But it's this dice game named Farkle. I have never played this game. To this day, I have never played this game in my entire life. But I remember getting it and going like, what is this? And then everyone's like, oh, dude, it's this great game. It's I'm like, I got a JBL speaker. Are you kidding me right now? 
I got a farkle? Like, what is this? And so then the entire time at the White Elephant Gift Exchange, I'm like going like, hey guys, you sure you don't, it's a dice game, it's great. You sure you don't want to steal it so I could get something else? Um, no, nobody stole it. And uh, it was kind of, kind of a bummer. Um, but it was a letdown. It was a letdown for me because I had no idea what this game was. And I'm opening this gift. And obviously the first, the first thing I'm thinking is, I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. Why? Because I had, I had put in an expectation. I had, I had put out so much to this thing. And now the only thing that I'm feeling is, is a disappointment in what I got. And this is something we all feel, right? At times in life, and maybe even in Christmas time, is disappointment. We feel disappointment with maybe our jobs. Could we be honest? Sometimes we're disappointed at our kids, at our families, even in our marriages, maybe even with God. Why? Because even though we all experience this, we've got we to gotta dissect this idea of disappointment and understand why do we experience this? Well, let's start by this. Let's start by understanding what is disappointment. Disappointment is simply this. It's the feeling we get when something fails to meet our expectation. So in order to understand this feeling of disappointment, we have to understand and we need to first admit that we had an expectation, that I had an expectation. Maybe it wasn't said, maybe it wasn't promised, but nobody can let me down unless I have an expectation. So, so what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Okay, so somebody let me down. My expectation has been let down. Maybe this was even, even God. Well, I think this passage of scripture that we just read can give us a glimpse into disappointment in a different way. You see, something that we notice about this story and the disappointment that's going on in in this time, we have to understand the context of what people are waiting for. So when this this, uh, child is promised to everybody and then they hear, oh my gosh, there's this this child that's going to be born. This was supposed to be the great gift to humanity. This was supposed to be something incredible. And there was, some, there was, there was a, an expectation in their mind. These shepherds, when, when this child is being told to them, they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this guy is going to be a great political leader. He's going to be a militant leader. He's going to be a king. And he's going he's to be born in a palace with robes. He, he's he's going to come out with a, a little halo on his head. It's going to be amazing. This is the pro- promised gift that humanity is going to get. But it, it wasn't. Instead, what they hear is, hey, you're going to go and you're going to find him in a manger. God sends this baby in a hallowed cave wrapped in, in rags. And I could just imagine that the shepherds, when they're hearing about this, they're thinking, that's God's great gift to humanity? That? And yet the angels are still singing right there going like, glory to God in the highest and on on earth, peace to all people whom his favor rests. This is what they're saying. And they're not really probably responding the same way, but they're like, hey, we got to go see what this whole thing's about. 
I wanna tell you a story today that maybe you've heard a thousand times. It's the Christmas story. It's the Jesus story, but maybe from a different perspective because sometimes we read this and we look back into this story and we think of all the things we know about Jesus now. But when they're coming into this story, when they're actually living it out, man, there are so many points where it's probably a letdown. Why? Because think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. There's this young couple, okay? This young couple, Joseph and Mary. And they're getting, and they're getting ready. They're, they're about to live an entire life together. And they're, they're engaged. They're ready. I want you to think about that engagement for a minute, okay? They're, they're dating. Finally, you know, Joseph is getting ready to, to propose to Mary, and he's, he's ready. He's got an entire plan in his head. He's got a ring ready. He's going to go, uh, he's going to go propose on the Roman Empire State Building. You know, like he, he's got his, he's got his Instagram ready. She does too. And they're going to make sure they post at the same time, you know, because you got to get the same amount of likes. You got to get the same amount of comments, right? And you can't compare later on. And so then they're, they're getting ready for this moment. And uh, I'll say sometimes, I'm just going to speak for, for some men in the room. Sometimes we, get, we don't get enough credit for how, how hard we work on these proposals, all right? We work real hard on these proposals to make sure that, that they're surprised because you know once you get on one knee, everything that you're about to say is pretty much predicted, right? Like they know, oh, at some point they're going to say, will you marry me? Um, so everything prior, you're planning it, you're getting it all ready. And then he finally proposes to her. And she says, yes. And he's like, yes. And he's on top of the world. And they're about to, they're about to live their entire lives together. They've got, they've got plans. They've killed all their debt. They're about to buy a new house. They're doing way better than most millennials. And they're, they're out there just getting ready for a real life out there. They're going to have babies. They're so excited. And then all of a sudden, God, God comes in with an interesting proposal, with an interesting line of thinking of like, hey, guess what? You're going to have a baby, Mary. And she was like, you see, I know basic biology. And I know I'm probably not. And, and this angel is telling her, no, 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 you will. You will. And it's going to be something that's given to you by the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to even think about this. Sometimes we, we kind of imagine these people as adults. Mary's about 14 or 15. In our standards, that would be a teenage girl. And all of this is going on. I mean, they had so many plans. And then, and then she goes and she tells Joseph, hey, babe, guess what? I'm pregnant. excuse me? I'm pregnant. And he's like, I mean, I, I, I know, I know God and, and, and there was an angel, but we got to remember the only people in that room were her and this angel. Okay. Joseph was not a part of that room. And so all he hears is I'm pregnant. And so he's thinking what every other person would be thinking in that moment. Who is he and where can I find him? Okay. He's ticked. 
And he's trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with this information? And yes, I know God and all the things, but I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do with these feelings? This is the story that's going on. This is the story they're living out. I find it interesting that uh, Mary has a, has a really strong statement that she makes when she's receiving this information. Her, her statement is this. It's probably one of the most beautiful, incredible, most trusting statements that anybody has ever made. She says this as a response to the angel. She says, may it be done unto me according to your word. May it be done unto me according to your word. This is an acceptance of trust. This is a moment that says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust you in this purpose. But she says this, and then all of a sudden she goes and tells her husband, and he doesn't know what to do with the information, enough so that he's, he, he's trying to figure out how he can split ways from Mary. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the time, engagement was seen far differently than it is today. Actually, enough so that in the time, if, if you were engaged and you split ways, or and, and the man died, the woman would be seen as a widow. And so this was extremely serious. This was, this was as close to marriage as possible, other than, than, than the ceremony and all those uh, th- ceremonial things at the very end. They were pretty much seen as one unit. And so this, this would have disgraced her. This would have felt like the end of her life. And she's trying to figure this out. She's trying to pinpoint, God, where are you in all of this? Where are you, God? I don't know what to do. I'm about to lose my future. I'm about to lose my husband. I'm I'm about to lose our plans. I'm about to lose everything. Where are you, God? Have you ever felt that before? Where are you, God? Where are you? I mean, in all of this, She sees her entire future, everything that she thought. She's like, what do I do with this? So so what do we do? What what do you do when you feel disappointed in God? And for you, and maybe these big plans that you've had, maybe for you it's been, man, I I just I, I had all these big plans. I wanted to go back to school. I wanted, I, I wanted to, to change my life around. I thought that by now, I'd be somewhere different than I am. Maybe I plan to be married by now, and I, I'm not, or we plan to have kids, and it just hasn't worked out. Maybe I just thought my life would be better. I thought marriage would be different. I thought having kids would be different. I thought this job that I always dreamed of would be different. I don't know what to do. God, where, where are you? And I, I'm guessing that's so many of our lives. That's so many of us that have so many plans. And we're trying to understand God. We're trying to understand where he is. And we're trying to see where he is in the middle of our disappointments. 
And although I, not, I might not have every answer that might fulfill every problem, I do have two truths from Scripture that I want to share with you today. And I think these two truths could really help encourage us and understand just a little more of who God is and what's going on on the other side of this. And so I want to share those with you. This is the first one. The first one is this. You don't have to understand his plan to trust his purpose. You don't have to understand his plan to trust his purpose. Can I, could I give you a moment? I, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if you've had this with your kids at all, but um, I, I hear it all the time and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember these days. Uh, have you ever hit, heard a kid say, but it's not fair? You, you heard that before? Yeah. Did you ever get that flashback from when you said that to your parents? You know, when you're like, oh yeah, no, I remember telling them, that's not fair. I remember we, uh, my parents would, would take us to Costco probably once every two weeks. So we'd go to Costco every two weeks and um, I remember going past the movie section. And every time I'd go past the movie section, there was also some VHS and DVDs there, okay? And I always see the VHS and DVD and I'd always pick one up. And put it in the cart. Now, that didn't mean my mom and dad were buying that. That just meant I was putting it in the cart. And, uh, and yes, I remember VHSs, by the way. Um, but anyway, uh, VHS, DVD, put it in the cart. And I remember by the time we get to the end, my parents are like, hey, we're not getting this. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I need to watch Space Jam, dad. All my friends are watching it. And, and, they're looking at, at me going like, hey, look, we already bought a movie this month. And we're, you know, we can buy one next month, but we can't buy one right now. And I remember being seven years old. And all I took from that conversation is going to my friends and everybody else saying, my family's poor. We don't have anything. I can't buy Space Jam. And, and that's all I understood from that situation because that's the context I had. That's what I understood. And I didn't understand the basics of budgeting and finance. I was seven, okay? I, I'm trying to understand my own life, and my parents are understanding something far beyond what I'm understanding at the time. But I could always rest assured in this. Even though I was going off telling everyone, we're poor, we don't have anything, I always had a bed to sleep in, and I never questioned whether I did. I always had a house to come back to, and I never questioned whether I did. Why? Because I intuitively knew I had a security that I knew my parents always knew what they were doing. They always knew what they were doing. They were seeing things from a bigger vantage point than I was. And at, at some point you start realizing God has a way bigger vantage point than us. There's a passage in scripture, Proverbs 19, 21, that says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Many are the plans in a, purpose, in a person's heart. I have plans. You have plans. I'm telling you, Mary very much had plans. Joseph had plans. But God's purpose was greater. And I'll tell you what, this is on a personal note, I am so glad that my disappointments can't stop God's purposes. I am so glad that my expectations aren't gonna stop God from seeing the bigger picture. 
I mean, Mary and Joseph's plans, they were wrecked. They were disappointed. But in the middle of a moment where Mary's like, God, where are you? God, why are you not here? Why are you not helping me out? This is happening in the background. There's a a portion that I'm going to read. This is part of the story. It says this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, this is talking about Joseph, okay? So Joseph had considered these things that, that Mary had just told him and says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a home and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will, get, he will save his people from their sin. What's going on when Mary's over there going like, God, where are you? He's like, don't worry, girl, I got you. I'm over here already talking to him. I've already got all that stuff settled. Trust me, I've got you. There is a God that is even in this moment fighting for you. In the middle of disappointment, in the middle of moments where we can't see him, there is a God that is working in the background and doing something for your lives. You might not see it, but I'm telling you he's doing it. This is the God that we serve. And this is the purpose that we trust. The second one is this. Second one is this. And prom- I promise I'm going to get everybody home for, or uh, back to brunch, okay? Don't worry about it. We got it. Here's the second one. Your disappointment might be God's divine appointment. Your disappointment might be God's divine appointment. A few years ago, um, I was visiting some friends up in Seattle um, I was checking some stuff up out, out up there and had a great time, loved hanging out with my friends. And then they have to take me to the airport. And um, I'll tell you what, it was a series of events, okay? That's all you need to know. It's a series of events, and I get to the gate, and they're closing the door. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it's rough, okay? When they close that door and you can't make it through— there's, there's so many emotions. One of them is like, you're, you're super disappointed. Um, second, you're stressed because there's people on the other side that are waiting for you to, to pick you up from the airport. And then lastly, you're embarrassed. I mean, this flight attendant is looking at you going like, or the, the people working at the airline are looking at you going like, dude, you should have made it earlier. And I'm like, I know, look, I know, okay? And what usually happens is one of two things. If you're a part of a great airline, um, or even just a good one, they'll usually say, hey, don't worry, we'll get you on the next flight, which happened to me. Uh, but they're like, hey, we'll get you on the next flight. Or you're part of a not-so-great airline, and they kind of just do. <laughs> if you go online, you can buy another flight. <laughs> and I've had that too. Um, and, but th- I was, thankfully, I was part of a great airline at the time, and they're like, we're going to put you on the next flight. The problem was the next flight wasn't until the next day. And so I'm like, well, I've got an entire day. I don't know what to do. And so I call up my friends and, you know, I, I, I uh, figured out all the logistics and stuff. And I called up my friends in Seattle. I'm like, hey, I'm here for one more night. Uh, first, can you give me a place to stay? And uh, second, uh, what are you guys up to tonight? And they're like, we're going to this concert. And there's a concert at the time in Seattle. Uh, if you know it, it's Laney. It was a great concert. But they're like, we got this concert going on. And I'm like, oh, sick. Uh, I'll take the, the light rail and I'll, I'll meet you guys there. So I've got some time to kill in the middle of this flight not working out and the concert. And so I go to downtown Seattle and I kind of map it out and I find this little Starbucks. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go to this Starbucks and I'll just chill there for a bit, work on my computer. 
Um, I was in school at the time, so I was finishing up some homework. So I get to this, to this Starbucks, and I'm just sitting there for a minute, sitting there for a minute, and there's this, there's this man in front of me, and I have very strong reasons to believe he didn't necessarily have a place to live. And I'm, I'm on my computer the entire, and I'm, we're all kind of doing this at the Starbucks, you know, like we, we do this thing where like we kind of see them, but then we're just kind of back on our computer, right? And that's what I was doing at the time. And I just, look, I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to weird anybody out, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest. There's very few times this happened, but I just felt like God spoke to me in that moment and just say, go talk to him, go talk to him. And I was like, okay. And I, I, I shut down my computer, I went, up to him, and I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I buy you some coffee? And he was like, actually, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you. And I'm like, for sure. So I go grab him some coffee, and I just sit with him, and I just start asking him questions. I'm like, tell me about your life. Tell me about, you know, everything. And he tells me that three months prior to that moment, he had actually been with his family. He had been with his family, and he, he had a great life. And due to alcoholism and drug addictions and different stuff, he ended up where he did. He's almost in tears telling me the story of how he lost his family, how he lost his life. And in that moment, I just told him, hey man, do you mind if I just pray for you? And he was like, that would be amazing. So in the middle of this Starbucks, middle of downtown Seattle, I'm, I've got my arm on this guy and I'm praying for him. And he's sobbing. And he is completely just broken and sobbing. And by the end of it, we, we chatted. I bought him an extra gift card, and I was like, here's this. And I was like, you know what, man? There's this church I just came from in downtown Seattle. Um, and I, I went to a different campus, but I know they have a downtown uh, Seattle campus. How about you go over there, you go chat with them. I think they, they'd be able to help you out for something. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what, but, you know, go, go check it out. And I was like, go on a Sunday. It'd be great. You, you know, you get to hear a great message too. And he was like writing down the address on a piece of paper. And he was like, okay, I'll be there. A few years later, so then, you know, I make it back home. A few years later, I actually intern at that same church. I'm up at a different campus. And one day all my friends are telling me, hey, we want to go to this downtown campus. You want to come? And I was like, you know what? I've never been. I've heard great things. Let's go. And as I'm walking up to this building, one of the first greeters I see gets this huge smile on his face. And he's pointing at me and I'm just like freaking out because I'm like, what what I do? And he's like, you're the guy from Starbucks. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, you're the guy. He was like, we prayed at Starbucks. And this guy had he had shaved his beard. He looked so different. He had new clothes on. It was just so different. And so I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, yeah. And we sat down just a little bit before service and caught up. And he, he just told me how he transformed his life, how he, how he got this job that really just catapulted him into next and next things. And he was like, and I, like I cannot tell you how important that moment at Starbucks was for me. And he was like, dude, I'll tell you, I, I think you saved my life. And, I, you know, I was like, dude, I'm super glad. But honestly, like, I'm just so happy for you. This is awesome. This had all started because of a disappointment. I had missed my flight. 
I had missed my flight, yet God was able to do something way greater with one disappointment. Sometimes I feel like our uh, setback in our own lives is a catapult for God's purpose. I see the the story of Mary and Joseph and, and I notice the same thing. I mean, this wasn't a glorious story by any means. They're, they're walking through so much. There's, there's a census going on, so they have, to, they have to go back from where they came from, from where Joseph is from, and so they have to, they have to walk a 90-mile trip. On top of that, they don't know where to stay. They don't know where, where Mary's going to give birth to this son. There's a ruler at the time that wants to kill their child. Their entire world is blowing up. And yet, for some reason, this story is a story of peace on earth. To a lot of us, it would probably sound more like hell on earth. It'd be horrible. And this isn't what they had planned, but this is what's so good about this story is that the middle of the trial is not the end of the story. You see, this child that they're protecting, this child that they're raising, all this work they're putting into this journey, this child would grow up and be somebody that they would not even believe. See, when we fast forward in Jesus' life, this child grows up and he's an adult now. We see something that happens that I think is a perfect depiction of what God sent to this earth, who God sent to this earth. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and 8. And it's this story where it's just a little tiny story of Jesus. And this is just a moment that happens. It says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him to a paralyzed man. Some men brought, brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is crazy to the teachers of the time. So these teachers are are saying, this fellow is blaspheming. This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus says this, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So, so he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. The man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were in awe. They praised God who, who had given such authority to man. I love a different version that says that last bit that I think is super Um, appropriate for our theme. It says this in verse eight in the Amplified Bible. It says, when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God and praised him who had given such authority and power to men. This is the power that Mary and Joseph are carrying around. This is the power that they're, they're journeying and suffering through to bring this to all of mankind. And 33 years later, what would happen is this, is that at one point, 
they, Mary would see Jesus on a cross. And it's in that moment that, he would say, that she would say, oh my gosh, my son, the one I protected, the one I, I gave birth to, all the things that I did for this, this child. He's being disfigured. He's being, his body is being destroyed for all of mankind. And yet in that moment, Jesus says this. He says, God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're even doing. And he lifts his, his head toward heaven and he says, Father, I did what you sent me to do. It is finished in your hands. I commit my spirit. And in that moment, the mother of Jesus, who said yes to God, watches her son die doing the same. You don't have to understand the plan. When you know God, when you love God, when you start trying to understand him and understand how much he cares for us, you can start to trust that he has good gifts, that he has good plans and good purposes for us. And even though we have so many plans every single day in our lives, it's his will and his purposes that prevail. Can you believe that some of our greatest disappointments could actually be some major appointments that God has put to do something radical in our lives, to do radical things in the people around us? In so many ways, this is actually the Christmas story. No one could have planned that God would have come as a man and, 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 and by means of his Holy Spirit been a child wrapped in, in, in clothes that they would use to bury the dead. As to say that he was born to die. But yet at the same time, even as Jesus is walking this earth, he is trusting in the purposes, knowing he's going to be resurrected three days after. Knowing that God has a greater purpose for him and for humanity. His master plan. The good news is this, is that God has a purpose for every single one of us is that he's trying to reach humanity and in his effort of reaching humanity came to this moment of Jesus where he had a greater purpose. And, and I love the verse where at, at the moment, Joseph is hearing from the angel and it says this, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to, to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. This isn't about what we want. This is about what we need. We need hope. We need forgiveness. If you look around, we are in a world that is in a need of a hope, of a purpose. And that's why God sent his savior and his name is Jesus. And they call him the, the prince of peace because he would come and save humanity. And I, no matter how crazy our life gets, no matter how much disappointment we face, no matter how insane things in our life might feel, He brings peace. This isn't a concept. It's a person. His name is Jesus, and he is the embodiment of peace. So you, 
You might be experiencing hurt. You might be experiencing heartbreak. You might even be experiencing loss in this room right now. And could I say, we're going to have a time after service. Um, Lloyd and I are usually right there by the cross, and we love to pray over every specific situation. And trust me, like, we, we love it. Please come, and we, we'd love to pray and, and put God in the center of our world. But in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of tough times to understand God, a famous preacher once said this, when you can't trace his hand, we can always trust his heart. Because his heart is good. His heart is for you. So sometimes even, we can even thank him for some of the things that don't go according to plan. Because we know he has a better plan. I'm telling you, there is a God that is for you. And whatever he's working on is for your situation. In the middle of your pain, I know that God is working in the background. I want to encourage you today and tell you, no, he hasn't abandoned you. No, he hasn't turned a blind eye. He actually sees you. And he has a bigger and better purpose for you. I promise you he does. And maybe you've been thinking this week, even this week, God, I feel like you've left me. I'm telling you, he hasn't. He loves you and he sees you and his purpose is for you and for me. I think God is much closer than we think he is. And I hope that you might feel that this week. Would you pray with me? God, I believe you're in this room. And God, even in this moment, as I'm praying, this isn't just a closing prayer. This is a moment. I pray for every situation in this room. I pray for, for the person that came in with their head hung low, feeling like life has just defeated them. I'm even thinking of stories this past week that I've heard of people that, that don't know what to do. And Lord, I just ask that you be present, evident this week, even in this very moment, even in the midst of this prayer, that your spirit would encourage, that your spirit would uplift the people who feel like they just don't see you right now. Lord, I thank you for the God that you have been. I thank you for what you're even doing that we don't even see for what you're doing in the background. But Lord, I ask that your encouragement, that life be breathed into every person in this room today. It's in your name we pray, amen.